Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and this week we are continuing our conversation on working with spirits. Um, so last week's episode, which I would encourage you to go listen to if you have not done so yet, um, I talked about safety, so um, protective magic, cleansing your space, cleansing your tools, checking in with your spirit guides, all of that stuff. And I also talked about working with spirits of the dead, um, messenger spirits like angels and demons, and then a little bit about uh, spirits of nature. So um, now that that has been addressed, this week I want to talk a little bit more about nature spirits because um, for the sake of time, I wasn't able to go as in-depth with them as I would have liked to. And I'm also going to be talking about just some practical ways that you can build up a practice that involves spirit work and whatever else we might have time for. So um, with Spirits of Nature, which I'll recap briefly, um, that could be spirit of a river, of a tree, um, of a stone, of a, um, a shrub, a flood, you get it. It's basically just the personification of nature and those parts of nature. So while you can have those individual specific spirits, so say, for example, there's a forest in there. There's going to be the animals, of course, but also the spirits of the plants and the life in there. There's also going to be a spirit that is that entire forest, if that makes sense. Um, and my suggestion when working with those things would kind of be similar to what I said in the last episode is interact, build a repertoire, build a relationship with those things. If it's... Um, and find out what's local to you too, because it really flows better and makes more sense, in my opinion, to work with the spirits of where you are. So if you are coastal and you live near like water, like beaches, your practice is not going to be the same as someone who lives in the mountains or someone that lives in a city um, or things like that. So pay attention to where you are. Notice what plants and animals are in your area and kind of go off of that. And that'll kind of make it easier for you to build that up and work with that as that goes on, if that makes sense. Okay, so aside from that, um, kind of another category, I suppose, of spirits of nature that I get asked about a lot is the fae, um, also called the fair folk, fairies, the fae folk, all of that. It's kind of the same thing. Um, I've seen it asked a lot, either like to me personally, or I've just seen it as a common question on social media. It's like, should you work with the Fae? How do you work with the Fae? Is it safe to do so? Um, what I would suggest is not dissimilar to what I would suggest for most things in spirit work. Know what you're getting into. Do research about how to interact with them, you know, read about the folklore and the mythology of them. Um, but also talk to people that do have that as part of their practice, you know, find people, you know, in real life, if you can, or on social media as well, like find people that incorporate the Fae into their practice and see what they do and how they work with them. Be safe. Um, there's another thing too, just because not not that this is me saying that they are like evil or malicious, because I don't want to label anything as that, but um they're not like us, they're not human. Their concepts of what is moral and what is good and what is appropriate are completely 
completely different from us. So things that you might think are of little or no consequence might be very serious to them and likewise as well. So keep that in mind, make good choices. Um, I will say I do not choose to work with them at this time, mostly because I think that at the point I am on in my spiritual journey, the risk of harm kind of outweighs the potential benefit. Um, and I'm open to my mind changing on that in the future, of course. But as of right now, that's where I stand on that. And the way that I have set up um, wards and protective magic and things is that nothing may enter my space that does not have my direct explicit permission. And that does include the Fae for now. Um, and like I said in the last episode as well, it's really important that you have boundaries with the spirits that you work with. Um, any any type of spirit. It doesn't really matter what kind it is. It's important that you and them understand the agreement that you have and the ways that you'll be working together and have that completely sorted before you just jump into something that you don't know about. Um, and I say that because with spirit work, if you don't know what you're doing, it's really easy to get into situations that are hard to fix. Um, I've heard stories from like my real life in-person colleagues, but also online and stuff of people that have ended up in really difficult situations where they've entered into agreement with the spirit that they didn't really mean to enter into or that they maybe didn't really understand completely. And I do not wish that on anyone. So do your research, understand what you want to do and kind of what you're working with. Um, so my, my advice with spirit work in general is, well, first of all, you don't have to. <laughs> that's, my, that's my first advice is you don't have to work with spirits. That is not something that has to be part of how you practice magic or practice your spirituality. Um, not everyone chooses to do that. Um, I know some witches that don't do that at all. They just don't engage with the spirit world really at all. And that's totally fine. That's not something that you have to do, period. Um, if that's something that interests you, a good way to start, in my opinion, would be what kind of spirits pique your interest? Maybe you haven't really worked with them before, but what just sounds interesting um, just in a conceptual kind of way? Do you really like the idea of like messenger spirits, like um, the Key of Solomon working with daemons or um, communicating with angels? Do you really... Are you attracted to more of like a shamanistic kind of conception of spirits where there's um, spirits of place and spirits of the upper middle and underworlds? Do you think that like you might be interested in fairy stuff? Like just explore your own interest because the thing that feels interesting to you is probably what you're going to be inclined to working with and probably better at working with. So just start there. It doesn't have to be a super complicated process just see what you're interested in and just see what comes up for you and sometimes th things might surprise you as you kind of get used to working with spirits in general and as you are shifting energetically in a place to where you are building up a sensitivity to the spirit world then at that point things will start presenting themselves to you um but more often than not you kind of have to build it up first um like me, for example, I was not interested in working with angels at all. And if you listen to the last episode, you you know why, kind of. But um, 
as I began working with like nature spirits and the spirits of the dead and that developed my sensitivity to kind of that realm and then angels kind of showed up and expressed an interest and you have to go from there so those connections absolutely can and do happen but it's not gonna just appear out of nothing like you you also have to do the work and learn and do the research and understand what you're doing and as you build that up and as you incorporate it into your practice and as you develop your own gifts um, and sensitivities to spirits then um, you might notice that things change for you so um one great kind of more practical way um, of working with spirits is building relationships with them um for example if you have let's say there's a spirit of a loved one of yours that has passed away and that is now around you in spirit form and they want to work with you and you are building this practice up don't overthink it what were things they enjoyed when they were alive um you know, it's, it's really common to put like water or like even alcohol sometimes on a spirit altar, but maybe the spirit of your loved one didn't drink or they didn't like alcohol. So maybe they would prefer something else. Maybe they want coffee on their altar. Maybe they want soda. You know what I mean? Like it don't make it more complicated than it is. Just think like they're still that same person. Like the way they exist obviously is not the same, but like they still have their own likes and dislikes and preferences and things. So if you had, you know, a grandparent that passed away and their spirit is with you now and they were like they liked to drink when they were alive they probably still want alcohol now <laughs> or if they totally hated liquor and don't want anything to do with it then don't offer them liquor now because they're a spirit like that focus on what they would enjoy because it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing they have their own wills and agendas and motivations and preferences uh, just like we do um so something that you might offer to one spirit might not be an acceptable offering to another one. Um, there is a spirit that I work with that is a relative of my partner's that has passed away. And she wanted some cookies that we had because it was her recipe that was passed down in the family. So things like that. Um, and the more you get to know those preferences that these spirits have, the more your relationship is going to be built up and become something that's good for everyone involved. Um, if it's not the spirit of a person in that sense, it might be a little harder to kind of find out those things because it's not as direct to you. Um, because obviously if it's someone that you knew when they were living, it's a little bit easier to know because you knew that person. So let's say maybe you want to work with an angel. Um, let's say you want to work with the archangel michael um i'm not saying that you have to do that either it's just an example of course but um say that's what your interest is you want to reach out and build a relationship with the archangel michael find out what some of those things are like what what is associated with him what does he enjoy um in this sense because he is a part of a lot of different mythologies there's probably going to be different answers um but like some examples is like he's associated with the color blue. Um, so that's part of that. He is very protective. He's known as the spirit of protection and like courage. So find those things out. What does he like? Maybe that means you're going to find um, a crystal or a stone that's associated with protection. Um, an example of that is like black tourmaline. So maybe you're going to get a black tourmaline stone and put it on your spirit altar to 
the angel Michael. That's just one example of that, of course. But um, find things out. Is there an animal that that spirit favors? Um, you can work with that. Like if you, um, like I know a lot of spirits that have to do with like death and rebirth are associated with like hounds and dogs. Maybe something as simple as a dog collar or a dog treat could go on there. So just find out what the associations are because it's going to be kind of a combination of research and also trial and error. It's like if you put something on the altar and you find out the spirit doesn't like it, you can change it. Um, because I do think that they honor your intentions and that they're, for the most part, are going to be willing to work with you and be patient with you as you learn because you're getting to know them the same way you would get to know um, a friend or a loved one. So some things are more elaborate than others. So let's say you wanted to work with like the spirit of a tree that's in your yard, for example. I'm not saying you couldn't incorporate them on your spirit altar if you wanted to, but um, the tree is right there. So in a lot of ways, it might be easier to just engage more with where the tree physically is. Um, not saying they can't be represented on your altar as well, but um, it's not quite the same as like a spirit that doesn't have a physical form because obviously nature spirits do. Like if it's a spirit of a river or a pond, you can just go to that river, that pond, that tree, that whatever it is. Um, so I have found out that um, the tree spirit that I work with enjoys coffee. So I don't really give it an offering on an altar because I will just make coffee when I make it for myself and I will just give some of it to the tree as an offering. Um, and it will get easier the more you do because as you work with the spirits and as you build up a relationship with them, you are also building up your own sensitivity to the spirit world and you're strengthening those gifts that you have because people that work with spirits, there's nothing special are different about us. It's something that anybody can learn to do. And the more you do it, the better you will be at it. It's like with anything else, it's like with a non-magical skill. Like if you want to be a really good like swimmer, we'll say, you can learn how to swim. And the more you do it, the more you're, you'll get used to it. The more your technique will improve, you'll be able to get faster, stronger, more endurance, all that stuff. So with magical gifts, it's the same way. The more that you do it and practice at it and learn about it and get used to it, the better and easier it will become for you to do. So let's talk about some specific things um, that's not quite as just general spirit work, but really specific stuff. Um, so within kind of spirit work, we have mediumship. And mediums usually not always, but usually work with the spirits of the dead. And oftentimes they will do what is called channeling. And that's either where they will intuitively receive a message from that spirit. But sometimes it can be really intense and that spirit might actually take possession of their body. Um, and it's not like the horror movie kind of thing where you're going to be like convulsing and turning your head 360 degrees and like breaking your bones and stuff. Because it's done with your knowledge and consent because there's training that you go through to become a medium so that those things don't happen. So I'm not trying to scare you, but again, like I say with anything, be knowledgeable, be prepared, be safe, all that stuff. 
Um, but yes, channeling is when you're receiving a direct message from a spirit, either just intuitively through that clairaudience, um, clairvoyant abilities, and maybe they will take possession of you with your, again, with your knowledge and with your consent, of course. And then they will act out their intent and reveal their message through you as their vessel. And then when that task is completed, they will leave your body, of course. Um, this also can be done with deities. And when we look back at ancient things um, like shamans in some situations, um, in Greece, they had oracles. They might be called seers or prophets, etc. Um, they would a fraction, like a, a portion of the spirit of that deity would enter their body and then the person would speak on their behalf. Um, so when you've read like Greek myths and you've heard about oracles, that was um, Apollo, for example, was he in the Greek pantheon is a god of prophecy and oracles. So there was an oracle that would be the dwelling place of the spirit of the god Apollo and they would speak on his behalf. Um, and that's essentially what oracular work is. That's what divination to an extent can be. That's what prophecy is. It is essentially just a really extreme form of spirit work and of channeling, but with deity. Um, if you've ever heard kind of in more like neo-pagan circles, if you've ever heard someone say drawing down the moon, that's often in reference to a priest or priestess um, having their body be filled by the spirit of the goddess and then the goddess speaking through that person. So um, if that is something you were interested in, if you were specifically interested in like mediumship and oracular work and these kind of more intense, more um, physically involved forms of spirit work, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to find a teacher. Yes, of course, you should still read. Yes, of course, you should still do research. But because of the nature of these things being a lot more intense and a lot more serious than just general spirit work, it really, in my opinion, it would be in your best interest to find someone who is already doing that and has been for a while and actually let that person teach you so that you can not only be safe, but also just so you can excel and so you can be good at doing what you want to do. Um, so like, for example, if you want to be a medium, go find one, go find someone who is a medium and let them teach you. If you want to, um, if you are a part of a tradition where, you know, they work with oracular prophetic kind of stuff, go find someone that already does that and learn from them. Um, I know in some ways that's probably easier said than done. So maybe that means you have to learn online at first before you can find someone that's, you know, close to you geographically. And that's fine too. But um, that that's just to say that having a person who's had the real world experience of doing this stuff is going to help you a lot more than like just reading about it and just talking about it online. And obviously you can still do that and you should still do those things too. But um, having someone who can really teach you directly, I think is really important in that case. Um, so some books that I would recommend for this, and I will link them in the description of the episode, um, is the Encyclopedia of Spirits. There is another book called A Witch's Book of Power, um, and it talks a lot about spirit work, among other things, of course. And then um, both of those books kind of touch on 
a hierarchy of spirits and not everyone believes in a hierarchy and not everyone's hierarchy is the same. So that's fine. If you don't agree with that, we're just throwing that out there that they do talk about it. Um, and I will also link my resources, of course, for the episode as well. But that's all I have for you guys this time. I hope that you enjoyed it. And that concludes our series on spirit work. And if you have any comments, questions, feedback, concern, any of that, feel free to let me know. You can email me at magicandthemoonpodcast at gmail.com. And that's M-A-G-I-C-K and the moon at gmail.com. And I am also on Instagram. And I realized that in last week's episode, I actually gave you the wrong Instagram. I forgot my own Instagram handle. So I'm sorry about that. But um, the correct Instagram handle is magic underscore and underscore the underscore moon at Instagram. And that's M-A-G-I-C-K as well. And I will link um, the books I recommended as well as the sources for the episode. And then my social media and email will all be in the description of the episode. But that's all I have for you this time. And I will see you all next week.